Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. We've been in a series called The Holy Who. Who are we talking about? The Holy Spirit, yes. And I always like to do a little bit of review before we get into the message. So that's what I'm going to do. But first, I want to pray. Let's pray. Everybody, put your hand forward like this. Let's stretch out to the heavens and ask God to move in this service today a little bit more than he already has. Lord God Almighty, we ask that you would invade this house. Lord, the the revivals that are opening up all over the world would open up here. We ask that your Holy Spirit would infiltrate this church and infiltrate each and every heart and each and every mind. Lord, open up our hearts. Sharpen our minds, soften our hearts for the world and the mission that you've given us, and lead us and direct us in your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. So let's do a little bit of review. The first week, we talked about the promise. Now, all these scriptures we've already gone over, so I'm just going to run through them, okay? So we talked about the promise in week one. In Acts, the first chapter, Jesus instructs his disciples to what? Wait on the promise. Who is the promise? The Holy Spirit. Why did Jesus want them to wait for the promise? We learned this in week one. Jesus wanted them to wait on the promise. And the answer is found in Acts, the first chapter in the eighth verse. He says this, Jesus' own mouth says, but you will receive power. Say power. Power. Do you feel like you've received power? When the Holy Spirit enters into your life, do you feel like you have received power? Because Jesus is saying, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power. But he gives us this power for a purpose, and this is still week one. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is the promise that was given to us, poured out on all flesh, as the prophet Joel says, for a purpose. That purpose is to empower us to be Jesus's witnesses to the ends of the earth. Did you gather that? All in one scripture. Then week two, we talked about the Holy Spirit as the helper. In John, the 14th chapter, in the 12th verse, Jesus says this, truly, truly, I say unto you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater. That seems like an impossible task, right? That's because it is. Apart from the helper. Okay, so he says, you will do these works and you will do greater works than these. Will he do? Because I am going to the Father. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So why did Jesus send the helper? All in these same scriptures to empower believers to do greater works on a global level. Jesus is giving us his spirit for a purpose. He is the promise for a purpose. He is a, the, the helper for a purpose. And last week we talked about the spirit-filled life. Paul explains in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, that spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit. For what? For the building up and encouragement of Christians. Spiritual gifts are given for the building up and the encouragement of Christians and the building of the church. So God does not give these gifts to us 
just for us to keep to ourselves. He equips his people with the tools and the weapons to go to spiritual war. There's a purpose for everything God does, and there's a purpose for the Spirit empowering your life. It's not so we can sit on our couches, which I like to do. It's so that we can be the Spirit of God in every situation, every relationship, every family meeting, that we can speak with the power of the Holy Spirit in every situation and go to war in the spiritual realm. So that's the review. That was the last three weeks. The last question I want to ask, Jesus has already answered. Why did Jesus come into this world? Jesus answers this question for us in John 10.10. Exactly right. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. This is Jesus speaking. I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He goes on in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. What does the good shepherd do? In John 15, the 12th verse says this. Jesus again speaking. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. How did he love us? By laying down his life. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And we all know John 3, 16, for God so loved that he what? Gave. This is God the Father laying down his life for the ones he loves through the Son, Jesus. So Jesus came into this world to display spirit-filled love. What does spirit-filled love look like? Love given by the Holy Spirit that compels us to lay down our lives for our friends. Spirit-filled life is a life that is filled with the Spirit that is compelled to lay down your life for your friends. That's a hard pill to swallow, to lay down our lives for our friends. I'm going to show you this. This is where we left off last week. Spiritual gifts without love are meaningless. If we can't love our neighbor, our spiritual gifts are rendered useless. If we can't love our family, our spiritual gifts are rendered useless. If we can't love ourselves the way God loves us, I don't mean self-love like, like the world would mean it. If we can't value ourselves the way God values us, our spiritual gifts are rendered useless. 1 Corinthians 13, this is where we left off last week. He says, the first verse, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the prophetic powers and understanding of all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. So I know that cuts to the heart of everybody on this stage. <laughs> Wake up, guys. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing. 
but it rejoices in the truth. You know, he's a poet and he doesn't even know it. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Yes, we have received the promise. Yes, we have the helper. Yes, he has given us spiritual gifts. And yes, we have been equipped by the Holy Spirit for our purpose in Christ. But if we don't have love, it's not, if it's not all driven by love, then it's useless. We've gained nothing. How do we produce this kind of love that compels us to lay down our lives for our friends? How do we produce this love? We don't. A lot of times what we do is we talk about the fruit of the Spirit and we talk about these things and we say, do them. Maybe if we just studied them a little more. Let's study love, peace, patience, kindness. Let's study these things. And as we're studying, we'll just try to do them and try to do them and do them better. We can't. It's impossible. The only way to produce God-given love is by the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit does it. The same reason Jesus came into this world is the same reason God has given us his promise, his Holy Spirit, to love the same way Jesus did, to lay down our lives for our friends. You see, the Holy Spirit empowers us to obedience and to love as Jesus loves. The Holy Spirit frees us from living under the Mosaic law, which we're going to get into. It frees us from our flesh desires and then produces in us the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit frees us from our sinful bondage. But why does he free us from our sinful bondage? To walk by and be led by the Spirit. This brings us to our text today in Galatians, the fifth chapter. What I want to do, though, is I want to do a little Bible study. Is that okay if we do a little Bible study at church? <laughs> this is the Word of God. It's a Bible. We have to dig into it to get the background and context to everything that's being said. It's easy to just rip Scripture right off the page and throw it at somebody. But that's just throwing mud. Let's dig into it. The background and context of Galatians. Paul is writing a letter to the Galatians. He is their pastor. Paul is an apostle of Christ, chosen by Christ to go to the Gentiles to preach the gospel. And so Paul went throughout all of Galatia, which is now modern-day Turkey. A lot of things going on there, huh? And he went throughout Galatia planting churches, preaching and teaching the gospel of Christ. That we are not saved by our works or by our own effort, but by the faith in the finished work of Christ. We are saved by faith in the finished work of Christ. And this is what he's teaching to all of the churches that he planted in Galatia. So he's telling people where we failed at performing the Mosaic law, at holding the Mosaic law, Jesus prevailed. And we put our faith in that, and that's how we receive salvation. So the churches that Paul planted were infiltrated by false teachers. The Jewish teachers would come in after him and undo everything that he did in the churches that he planted. So they were coming in uh, uh, behind him and preaching a, what Paul calls a false gospel calling on new Gentile Christians to be circumcised physically. 
I wouldn't Google that. <laughs> I wouldn't Google that. But they were coming in behind him saying, all these new Christians, they're Gentiles, they have to be circumcised. And Paul was saying, hold on a minute, wait, wait a minute. So Paul writes to the Galatians to call them back to the true gospel. Why is this a false gospel? Paul wrote, we are no longer slaves to the law, the old covenant, the Mosaic law, circumcision, traditions. But in Jesus, we are free to live under a new covenant of grace. He explains to them that if we return to the old covenant traditions and salvation by works of the law, then they are responsible for keeping the entire law, thus walking back in to bondage and slavery to their own sin. And this is Galatians. This is the letter. This is a summation of the whole entire book. So he says, you'll be responsible for keeping the whole law for your salvation, which we all know is what? Impossible. A good way to be cut off from Christ is to try to come to him by your own efforts. Because if we depend on the power of the Holy Spirit, because if you are able to, by your own power and your own effort, to come to Jesus, who gets the glory? Right, I do. But no, the Holy Spirit makes God available through faith. Because when we come to God under his power, he gets the glory. So a good way to be cut off from Christ is to try to come to him by your own efforts. You see, the old covenant law was given by God to expose Israel's sin. Do you understand that? The law was given to expose Israel's sin, therefore pronouncing them guilty. People who are guilty need a Savior, right? So therefore pronouncing them guilty and all of humanity with them. That includes me. That includes you. So in Paul's own words in Galatians 3, 22, he says this. But the Scripture, speaking of the law here, but the Scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. And Paul is pleading with the Galatians, do not be imprisoned by your own sin. Again, in Galatians, the fourth chapter and the fourth verse through seven, he says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. He's pleading with them. You are no longer in bondage to the law. You are now set free to what? Become sons and daughters by adoption. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son. The spirit of who? His son. The spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Can you believe that? The spirit of the living God that spoke all things into existence from nothing. He didn't go to Home Depot to start this up. He didn't go to Home Depot or Lowe's to start this creation that, he's, that he started. 
He started with his word. And he started with his spirit hovering over the waters from nothing. Is inside of you. And he's interceding for you, crying, Abba, Father. That's happening right now. So you are no longer slaves, but sons. And if a son, then an heir through God. Of course, all of these scriptures are dense with information and life-changing power. And we could break down every single one, but we can't. So he's crying out, you are now sons of God. The finished work of Jesus Christ frees us as slaves to sin to adoption in the new covenant of grace. Which brings us to Galatians 5. Why are we going to Galatians 5? We're about to find out. We'll start with verse 13. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. He's saying, do not abuse your newfound freedom to fulfill your own fleshly desires. Yes, we live in a new covenant. Yes, we live under the grace of God. But don't use this new grace, this new freedom as a son of God to fulfill your fleshly desires. Verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying if you want to stay in line with the law, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul here implies that Christians are, are, still have a moral obligation to follow moral standards found in God's law. We're, we're not freed uh, to commit adultery. We're not freed to covet. We're not freed to worship idols. We're not freed from that. We're freed from the bondage that the law placed on us because it's impossible to please God without the Spirit of God. So obedience is not the means by which we are justified or saved or made right with God, but it is the evidence of a Spirit-filled life. Obedience to God's word is the evidence of a spirit-filled life. So life in the spirit is characterized by love. Serving one another in love fulfills the law of God. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. He goes on in verse 15, he says, But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. What he's saying is, 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 is this, these church plants that he's planted, if there's infighting in the church, they'll consume each other. The whole work will be burnt up. How many people know that we bite and we devour? What's crazier is we bite and devour the people and family of God. The family of God is meant to war with sin, not with each other. So how do we keep from devouring one another? We walk by the Holy Spirit and be led by the Holy Spirit. We walk by the Holy Spirit and we walk with. Now this is Paul's language, not mine. 
Walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Cameron, come here. Let's see if we can't do this correctly. <laughs> come up. Come on up. So, Cameron, let's give him a hand. Come on. He did a good job this morning. Cameron's going to play the role as, of the Holy Spirit, okay? I'm going to play the role as, of myself. So, we're, I'm walking. Let's go this way. You lead me, though. Okay. And I'm walking by Cameron, right? I'm walking by the Holy Spirit, okay? You lead me, go. I'm walking by the Holy Spirit, am I not? I'm not looking at what the Holy Spirit's doing. I'm not tuned in to what the Holy Spirit is doing. All I'm doing is walking by the Holy Spirit. But Paul doesn't leave it at that. He doesn't leave it at walking by. He says, also be led by. A lot of people, we get stuck in this position, right? We get stuck in this position. We're new Christians, we're just walking by the Holy Spirit. But yet, there's one more step, to be led by the Holy Spirit. This is where every step the Holy Spirit takes, I'm taking. Everywhere he walks, I walk. Everywhere he leads me, I am led. And guess what? The brunt of everything that's going on in my life is going to hit the Holy Spirit first. And I'm walking behind being led by, right? And so as I'm being led by the Holy Spirit, I'm being led by the Holy Spirit in my relationships. I'm being led by the Holy Spirit in everything I do. I'm being led by the Holy Spirit at work. I'm being led by the Holy Spirit in my family. I'm being led by the Holy Spirit in my marriage. And everywhere he goes, I'm there too. I'm not just walking by. I'm also being led by. Thank you, Cameron. <clears throat> That's a silly illustration, but... It works. Let's go to Galatians, the fifth chapter and the 16th verse now. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. All of our natural inclinations, our fallen natural inclinations, are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So as you're by the Holy Spirit and you're being led by the Holy Spirit, He is governing every desire you have. Paul is contrasting the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit. You see, life under the law expresses itself in works of the flesh. Do you understand that? When we feel compelled to obey the law, the old covenant, it fleshes itself out in works of the flesh. But those who walk by the Spirit bear fruit pleasing to God. You see, a Christian is not someone who has no fleshly desires. I hope we all understand that. A Christian is someone that is at war with those desires by the power of the Holy Spirit. A Christian is not someone that has no fleshly desires. Everyone in here knows that. But a Christian is someone who's at war with their desires by the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That's what Paul says. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. 
Our freedom from the law comes from being led by the Spirit. He goes on to define the works of the flesh. Now, works of the flesh, verse 19, are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, 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 sorcery. I know there's some sorcery going on. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. How many have fits of anger? I stubbed my toe the other day, and it was not the Spirit of the Lord that rose up in my soul. <laughs> Caius was there. He was like, he thought I died. <laughs> yeah, you stubbed that toe good. You'd be down for the count for a minute. <laughs> okay. He goes on to say, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you as I warned you before. What did he say? I warn you as I warned you before. This is not the first warning that Paul is giving these guys. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I question this list, the works of the flesh. Uh, are some of these problems the problems that are going on in Galatians? After They've heard the false gospel. So, he says, what is really obvious in this scripture is that fallen humanity instinctively gravitates towards these actions. That's very apparent in this scripture. So, if your flesh is saying to yourself right now, I haven't committed any of those sins, I'm good. You're trying to live under the old covenant, brother. If you said just now after I read the, the works of the flesh, oh, I'm not, I have not committed any of those. Living in the old covenant. Everyone thinks that Jesus came to earth and made everything easy. He did not. He made everything worse. You got these, all these people, they're like trying to stay in... Uh, under the law, trying to perform. I mean, they get, they're getting their spices out and they're tithing with it. Think about this. These people were like really, really trying hard to do what God has told them to do. And Jesus makes it even harder. I, you say, don't murder. But if you have hate in your heart for your brother, you've already committed murder. That's not easier. That's harder. That's harder. Because what you've done in your heart, where no one can see, God can see. That's much worse. That's much harder. If there's lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. That's way worse. That's way harder. Everybody thinks Jesus made it easier. He did make it easier. He just pointed it out. He's pointing out the obvious. You need me. And there's no way you can talk yourself out of it. So, let's look at this scripture again. He's, Paul says, and things like these. Because you know there's the one guy who's looking for the loophole. 
There's the one guy looking for the loophole. Hold on a minute. Let me go through that list again. Let's see here. Okay, drunkenness, check. Uh, orgies, check. Uh, division, check. Dis uh, dissension, check. Envy, check. I'm the best, so I don't envy anyone. Um, drunkenness, check. Strife, enmity, sorcery. No, 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 no. He says, and things like these. That's Paul's way of saying, look, it's a, drunk, a, a, a junk drawer of just acts that you shouldn't do. If you're thinking it right now, should I do it? It's in the, drunk, the junk drawer. There's no loopholes. Because he knows there's that one guy in Galatia that's going to be like, hold on, you didn't mention one thing that I do. I guess I'm good. He's saying there are no loopholes when it comes to the works of the flesh. What's in your drunk drawer that needs to be touched by the Holy Spirit? What's in our junk? drunk? I can't say the word junk. Because my wife keeps our house so empty of junk. I've never even had to use the word. You ever go to the trash can and the trash can sits here and the trash is stacked to here? That's our house. Empty the trash, 30 minutes later, and you're, you know, you got the bag and it's this tall. You're, can't even say the word junk. Junk, junk, junk. What happens when we walk by the Spirit and we're led by the Spirit? He goes on, he's showing us the works of the flesh, now he's going to show us the works of of the Spirit. Verse 22, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is a picture of what it looks like to walk by and be led by the Spirit. Let's read those one more time. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So why? We walk in love because He first loved us. We walk in joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We walk in peace because we serve the Prince of Peace. We walk in kindness because God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. We walk in goodness because God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. We walk in faithfulness because God is faithful to guard you against the evil one. We walk in gentleness because God is gentle and lowly hearted and he will give you rest for your soul. We walk in self-control because it keeps us from being ineffective and unfruitful and displays the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives to resist the power of the flesh. Against such things, there is no law. Walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to cultivate, cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is the means by which we are revealing the characteristics of our God to a fallen world. I'm going to say that again. The Holy Spirit is cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in our lives 
And that is the means by which we're revealing the characteristics of our God to a fallen world. It's through our love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control that people see God. Because these things are impossible to accomplish apart from the Spirit of God. Let's finish Galatians, verse 25. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is Paul's final warning to the Galatians. He says, be filled with, empowered by, and walk with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ to lay down our lives for our friends. What did this kind of spirit-filled life accomplish? I'm going to show you. And as I'm closing, I want to read this poem that was recently written around 2007 entitled, The Greatest Man in History. And as I'm reading this, I want you to think about what the spirit-filled life looks like. The greatest man in history. I'm going to ask John to go on and come up here. The greatest man in history. Jesus had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degree, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicine, yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He had no military, he had won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He did not live in a castle, yet they called him Lord. He ruled no nation, yet they called him king. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. I feel honored to serve such a leader. I feel honored to serve such a leader that lays down his life for the ones he loved, and that's what God is calling us to do by the power of the Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Apart from love, the gifts mean nothing. The gifts mean nothing apart from love. They are all in one. Spiritual gifts and the fruit of the Spirit operate together. And the Holy Spirit wants to fill us over and over and over and over and over and over again. This is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And He wants to fill you every day. We cannot get caught up in semantics. We cannot get caught up in semantics. When does the Holy Spirit enter my life? When does the Holy Spirit infill me? When does the Holy Spirit baptize me? When does He take control and start producing fruit in my life? We can't get caught up in semantics. This is the Spirit of Christ. And He is a person. And He loves you. 
and he wants to produce love in you. And we need to come to the altar of God every day and ask for a new infilling every day, a new baptism every day, a new power to work in our lives every day.